Welcome to episode six of the Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build an online business, work less, and live and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran. Honored to share some time with you today. Hey, if you're brand new to the show or brand new to my content, or even if you've been a long-time listener and viewer and you're just brand new to online business and you're feeling it out and still trying to figure out how does this actually work, I'm piqued by this idea of creating an income online. I'm piqued by the idea of passive income. I don't even know if that's possible. Then I want to give you something that's just going to be super practical for you. I have put together an entire workshop on passive income. In fact, it's designed to help you create your first $1,000 a month of passive income in only 30 minutes a day. Okay. Very specific promise, but I break down how to do this. It's a free workshop that walks you through the four components that you need. The four components that basically every good online business is built on, even if they look totally different. How to find people to sell to, who the best people are to sell to, what to sell to them, how to automate that, what tools to use. If you've never done this and it sounds overwhelming, it breaks it down in such clarity that anybody can follow along. And again, I can't promise you a six-figure income overnight. Somebody does run the other way. But I can promise you the beginning steps that will lead into a six-figure income if you work it. So this formula, this uh, setup is exactly how both of my businesses are built. So it's simple, but it can scale. And that's the beauty of it. I teach all of this for free in my passive income workshop. I want you to come. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop. Enter your email and register and you can watch it right away. Take notes. It's about 45, 50 minutes of pure content that's super helpful if you take action on it. And again, if you're brand new, it'll help you sort of pave the way to make your first $1,000 a month of passive income in just 30 minutes a day. And if you're not brand new, but you're missing something, maybe you're missing one of these four components. You got three or or two of the four, but you're missing something, this might fill in the crack. So check it out at grahamcochran.com slash workshop. Today, we're going to have a conversation about competition. I don't believe that you or I have competition. I just don't believe in that word. I don't like that word. I believe you and I have collaborators. Okay. So the questions that come up or the thoughts that are in your head um, as you get into business naturally drift to, has this been done before? And I, I did a video on my YouTube channel a long time ago about the it's been done before myth. Like everything's been done. You know, everything's been done. Solomon, the wisest, richest man in history, writes that there is nothing new under the sun. And that was three, 4,000 years ago. So there's nothing new, okay? So A, you and I aren't that special or original, but that's not our goal. Our goal isn't originality. Our goal is profitability and service. So we don't need to create something new to make a good business for ourselves or for our customers. We just need to serve people well. So we're not original. There's nothing new. But the other problem that we have is not only do we, do we think that we need to be new, let's say we get past that myth and we're like, all right, I'm just going to jump into like, for example, me right now. I'm in the business coaching, business advice, business strategy niche 
whatever you want to call that. It's a huge crowded niche, right? So I know I'm not new. The next logical conclusion then is, okay, because I'm not new, because this has already been done before and everyone's doing it, how do I deal with the competition? How do I stand out from the competition? How do I compete with the competition? I don't have the ad spend budget that they have. I don't have uh, the recognizable name that they have. I don't uh, have as much time to work on my business as they have. I don't have the employees or the team working for them, working for me, excuse me, like they have. So there's a lot of fears and insecurities come out by viewing your quote unquote competitors, the people do the same thing in your niche viewing them as competition. Then we also start to get nervous, like how do I compete with them? Do I have to be coming in at a lower price than them? Do I have to deliver faster than them? What can I do to make my thing a little bit better than them? And what I wanna talk about briefly today is how all of that, that brain space, those, those decisions, those questions, those thoughts, all of that is not necessary. In fact, it's a choice. I, I don't, think that's going to lead you to profitability. In fact, I think it's just going to lead you to stress. I know it is. I believe there are two ways to look at other businesses or brands or people that are in your niche or topic. Um, who Basically, people who do virtually the same thing you do. And you get to decide which way you view these people. You can either A, view them as your competitors, which is how 99% of businesses view these other people, or you can listen to crazy old Graham and view them as collaborators. What do I mean by that? And what's the difference? Well, a collaborator is someone that you partner with and you work together on a shared goal. Now, don't worry. I'm not telling you that you have to merge with every single competitor. Just hear me out on this. I'm going to break down three uh, ways this can look. Okay, and I'm going to give you some examples as well in my own life. But so much of life, especially business, but even life, is based on your perception, on your worldview, the framework or the lens with which you view the world. And we all have different worldviews based off of our upbringing, personality, um, where we live, current life circumstances, what have you. But some of those are things that we can shape and change, and we can decide to view the world differently. If you view everyone that does what you do in your niche as competitors, you become very negative. You become very uh, narcissistic and inward focused. You become tense. You almost assume the posture of like you just grab onto whatever you can grab onto and you hold it so tight. You don't want to lose your customers. You don't want to lose your market share. You don't want to lose your viewers if you're on YouTube or you don't want to view, lose your uh, reach or your growth on social media. You're comparing stats, all these vanity metrics. You see how when you view them as competition, it's almost like this fixed pie uh, view of the world. Uh, and you could talk about fixed pie economics very similar. Like you just think that there's a fixed number of customers. And if there's 3 million of us reaching those same customers, we all do the same thing, then we want to elbow everybody out to get a bigger slice or at least get enough of a slice for us. That is one way to view it. That's how a lot of people view the world. But there's so much negativity. And that only makes you, I think, 
have a negative aura to your brand. And I'm not getting weird on you. I just literally think that leads you to do things that are inherently selfish. Whereas if you were to view everyone in your niche as potential collaborators, let's say that, and I'll explain what I mean in a second, you'd be a lot more open. You wouldn't be as stressed to get all the clients. You wouldn't be fighting. You wouldn't be elbowing your way into the space. You would be generous. You would be relaxed. You would have an aura of positivity, genuineness, generosity. I think you'd be more magnetic. So there's that aspect to it, but let me get even more practical. Here's what I think you can do. Let's say there's 10 major competitors in your space, people that you would call classic competitors doing exactly what you're doing. I would prefer you to reach out to them and try to become their friend. Instead of viewing them all out there as your enemies, you're all fighting to get that one prize, market share, customers, brand recognition, whatever it is. Why don't you view them as friends? You could reach out to them and you do a two-fold process. You, one, offer them a genuine compliment, and two, you offer to serve them in some way. Okay, wait a second. Yes, I am telling you to look at your biggest quote-unquote competitors, reach out to them, and compliment them and offer to serve them. What does this look like? If let's say you're doing content like me, you're making a podcast, you're making a video, you're blogging, there's someone in your niche, you would reach out to them and have actually listened to their podcast, watched their videos, read their articles, subscribed to their newsletter, learned what makes them special, And then in the email, you compliment them on something specific, something that shows that you pay attention and you are a genuine fan. Doesn't mean you have to know all their stuff, but if you were to reach out and say, Susie, I really want to say, I do very something similar to you, but I want to let you know I've been listening to your podcast. And on episode 36, you talked about this four-step framework to X, Y, and Z. And I loved it. I loved how helpful it was. I hadn't thought of step three in that framework. And it got me thinking about ways I can improve what I do. So keep up the great work. Love what you do. Okay. This does two things. One, if they know who you are, it disarms them. Like, whoa, this is my competitor and they're they're complimenting me. That jacks up a person's heart in a good way, right? The Bible talks about this as heaping burning coals on your enemy when you give them a cup of water when they're thirsty. So it's like, they're supposed to be your enemy, but you're being nice to them. They don't know what to do with that. And that's good. It kind of disarms any walls or tension that they might have up for most people. We'll talk about that in a second uh, because not everybody. But two, when you offer a genuine compliment that's specific in nature, meaning you've actually done your research and you actually pay attention to what they do and you're actually a fan, not just saying, hey, love your stuff, which could mean anything. I could tell anybody I love your stuff. It piques their interest. It, it makes warm fuzzies fill their body, which puts them in a posture. I don't think warm fuzzies is a technical term, by the way, but I'm not a doctor 
or a psychologist, but warm fuzzies fill their body and they are in a posture of being more accepting to listen to you, pay attention to you. By the way, this is how you reach out to your heroes, celebrities, CEOs of big companies, someone you want to interview, you you genuinely compliment them. You don't talk about yourself. This is, we should talk about this in a whole nother episode. But you don't talk about yourself. You talk about them, give them a specific compliment. It's the only thing to keep them reading, okay? That's why you have to lead out with that. Just a little bonus tip for you. So if you reach out to a quote-unquote competitor, compliment them with something specific, it disarms them because they know you're the competition. Or if they don't know you're the competition, at least they're hearing, hey, this person does something I do, but they're complimenting me. So they have warm fuzzies. Their posture is much more open to you and they'll keep reading. And then that's the punch one. The second punch, if you want to call it a one-two punch, the second punch is you offer to serve them. So it's like, hey, I like you. And here's specifically why. Everybody loves to hear that. Two, I love to serve you. Now, this one's a little trickier because you don't always have the best solution to this. The ideal scenario is that you have some specific way you could serve them and you've already thought of it. Like, hey, I noticed you don't really implement this specific strategy. I do something over here with my customers that's really, really successful. Maybe it'll help you out with your customers. This will like blow their mind because you're giving them a technique or a tool or a strategy to help them sell more of their stuff to your same market. You're giving away your secret sauce. This, this is mind-blowing. If you don't have something that specific, at the very least, you can say, hey, I know we're in the same space, but if there's any way I can help you or share your stuff, or if you've got anything you want to promote, let me know about it. And I'll get the word out to my audience. Just let me know. Even the offer to serve them in the future they may not believe you, but you can't control whether they believe you. You can at least be genuine in your intention. That can blow their minds. Now, if you do this, as far as I'm concerned, there are only three possible outcomes, three possible responses that they could have. Let me sip some coffee. One is, and the ideal is, is that this initial email, direct message, whatever, is the beginning of you and this person or this brand building a long-term friendship and partnership where you mutually promote each other's stuff, content, paid stuff, whatever. You publicly and mutually support each other's brands, okay? You can even this is the ultimate road, go into business together. Now, let me give you a couple of specific examples of how this has happened in my business. 2010, no, excuse me, 2009, 10 years ago, 2009, I started a blog called The Recording Revolution and that ended up becoming my business. I had already found another guy who was blogging on a very similar topic he had a website called Home Studio Corner. His name is Joe Gilder. I really liked his blog. I really liked his content. And the sea of other people teaching what we taught, doing what we did, even back then, especially now, but even back then, I thought he was the most level-headed person out there. I genuinely believed that he was smart, talented, knew what he was talking about, and I loved his approach. We had, we had a lot of shared uh, commonalities, worldviews, thoughts. Not 100% the same, but very close. Very, very close. Uh, and I started to 
comment on his blog and said, Joe, love your stuff. I started to reach out to him. And he then he realized I had a blog. And we were reaching the same people. He had started a few months before me, reaching the same people, eventually creating products to sell to the same kind of people. And we just struck up a friendship and I tried to just become his friend. And to his credit, he tried to become my friend. Two years later, we decided to start a podcast together. Later on that year, we started to do workshops together, in-person workshops in Nashville where we charge high ticket prices and we'd have 10, 15 guys come work in a studio with us, get to know us. We'd teach them in person. Uh, then a, a year later, we launched a membership site together that we still run today. It's been almost seven years running and we started a whole new LLC, a whole new business. Um, we, we run this membership. We promote that membership to both of our audiences uh, and he brings in customers. I bring in customers. We've had members for almost seven years and we've been running this thing. That membership alone does multiple six figures. I mean, it's, it's, and we split it, but it, it evolved from just a friendship of like, and I, to be honest, I was nervous because I knew he was doing the same thing I was doing. And part of me didn't like that because part of me just uh, wanted him to just shut his thing down. Full disclosure, I don't even know if I've ever told him this. And Joe, if you're listening, now you know. A few months into our friendship, uh, it was April, and I didn't realize this until I paid attention. He launched, it sent out an email to his list saying he was shutting his business down. And I was so happy. I was like, ah, oh, no more competition. It's all me. Till I realized it was an April Fool's joke. <laughs> and what was so sad is that my heart immediately, when I saw the email, was like excited because I knew that now I could just like crush it in the space without him because I, I, I really thought he did a great job. <laughs> and then when I read the bottom of his email and realized it was a joke, I felt like such a jerk. It's like, oh my gosh. I totally was happy that this guy's business was shutting down. Like he was going to go back and work for his old employer or something. It was just a joke. So again, I'm not like this uh, peaceful monk that has no human emotions of jealousy or envy or selfishness, right? Like I'm a total human being. Just ask my wife. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you ever want to know, am I a jerk sometimes or do I have flaws? Because somehow some of you think I don't have any flaws. Just talk to my wife. She has got a long list that she would probably not be happy to share with you because she's a classy lady. But if you push her or bribe her enough, she'll share with you my flaws. So yeah, I'm, you know, it's not perfect. But Joe is the perfect example of we went from loose friends to let's do something together, created free content together. We would mutually tweet and promote on Facebook each other's stuff, affiliate promote each other's stuff. But then we ended up going into business together doing live workshops and a longstanding membership site. So that's like an amazing opportunity where he could have been a competitor, but now we make money together. Win-win. Now, on the flip side, let me give you an example of someone who reached out to me. I was sharing this on a podcast last week. There was a gentleman that reached out to me and I got an email. So I want to show you what this looks like from even my perspective, because this might help you as you're potentially reaching out to other people who are doing exactly what you're doing. Got an email and I get lots of emails. And so I don't, I don't love every email. I'm not drawn into every email because a lot of people just start to tell me their life story tip that will never work, that will never get somebody to read your email. Don't tell them your life story. They don't care because they don't know you, right? So imagine in my inbox a sea of people telling me their life story. Then there's an email that says, and I think the subject line was, I read The Go-Giver because of you and I loved it. Something like that. I immediately opened the email 
which is rare. I don't open every email. Usually my assistant goes through some of the emails, but I immediately open the email because he already kind of complimented me in the subject line by saying he took a book recommendation and read it. And everyone who recommends a book or a product or even a movie loves to hear that the thing they recommended, somebody actually took action on it and enjoyed it too. Otherwise, why would we recommend it? We want someone else to share in the joy that we've experienced. So I already opened it and his name is Rob. He said, hey, Graham, uh, you don't know me but you recommended The Go-Giver on a podcast. And again, this was years ago. That's how long I've been talking about this book. Um, And I want to let you know, I bought it, read it, and it was mind-blowing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So this was that one punch of the one-two punch. He was complimenting me because he was showing that he paid attention to what I said, listened to what I said, took action on it. That made me feel good. There were the warm fuzzies. So I was like, all right, cool dude. I'm about to end the email And just I'm thankful that I got a happy email and it wasn't a troll. Then he had the second punch, which was the offer to serve me. He said, Graham, I noticed that on five of your best, biggest posts that I think are the best in our space and have a ton of comments on them and a lot of people seem to like them on your blog, that if I search the main keywords for those blog posts, they don't actually come up on the first page of Google. And I figured you could make some simple adjustments to your SEO backend in probably WordPress, if that's what you're using, just a couple of tweaks that would probably help those five posts show up on the first page or even in the first couple of results on Google, which would help you get more traffic and help you grow your business. So now I'm a little curious, but he took it a step further. And I went ahead, Graham, and filmed a video showing you how to do this in the back end of WordPress and what keywords I would use and how I would implement this strategy. Here's the link to the video. Feel free to watch it. If it's helpful to you, then roll with it and enjoy it and use it. If it's not helpful or you already know how to do this, no hard feelings. I don't need a response. Just hope it helps. Have a great day, Rob. Whoa. What do you think I did after reading that email. I emailed him back immediately and said, Rob, can we jump on a Skype call? Okay. Immediately, this guy not only got me to open the email, read the email, email him back. This is three things, by the way. Fourth, I asked him if I could call him. And he said, oh yeah, sure, of course. We jump on Skype. I get to know him a little bit better. Turns out he runs a very similar blog for musicians. He's got his own content, his own products. He's trying to do this. He's trying to turn me, instead of me being a competitor, like, oh, Graham's already got the recording revolution and he's doing his thing. I'm going to try to just carve out my niche. He went straight to me. The quote unquote enemy complimented me, offered to serve me. In fact, he had already served me by pre-recording a video showing me how to do a strategy. And it got my attention. We connected He served me even on that call. He walked through some of it with me, explained some of the stuff in the video even more with me. And what that led to was me saying, hey man, you're smart. You've got a British accent, which sounds super dope. Do you want to like do a video for my people? Run it, do a guest post for my blog? You know, like why don't you teach some of your stuff to my audience? It would help me out, have some cool content and it'll help you out. We mutually promoted each other's stuff. He got a ton of subscribers, I'm sure, from me in that moment because his audience was smaller, mine was bigger. Uh, And we've since become friends. And 
maybe once every six months, we jump on a call or email back and forth. In fact, I had an email from him yesterday. We're talking about a webinar strategy. We just bounce ideas off each other. We're not enemies. We're collaborators. And both of our businesses and brands have benefited from it. I wrote down a list, of just a few off the top of my head, of people that uh, have, I've gone into business together. Joe Gilder, uh, jo- Jordan Valeriat. There's a brand called Pure Mix that is run by this amazing French producer, Fab Dupont, who has an amazing French accent and a hilarious personality. And early on, early on, he reached out to me and viewed me as a collaborator. I mean, these are the the, the good guys in the industry who get this. They don't believe in competition. And we've literally sold stuff together uh, and have made money together. So that's one scenario. You reach out to a quote-unquote competitor, and best case scenario, if you do this well and if the magic is right, you become mutual allies that promote each other's stuff, free and paid. You might even go into business together and make money together. That's scenario one. Scenario two, maybe you don't make a ton of money together or any money together, but you build a friendship. You at least build a friendship. This is just as valuable because friendships and relationships, I think, are more important than money. So this is the same thing, just there's no money exchange. or It just doesn't maybe make sense to promote or it just doesn't land there. But you become friends. Examples of this for me in my industry, Kevin Ward at MixCoach.com. We became friends seven years ago. And we're just really, really good friends. We, we care about each other. We serve each other. Um, and we, we just are all about each other's stuff. Learn from each other. He's much smarter than me. He's more talented than me. So I'm always stealing his ideas and working them into my workflow. And I credit him, by the way. But I, I learn from him and we've helped each other out. Uh, Russ Hughes from Pro Tools Expert uh, became a friend to me when I was in the early stages. And I re- it meant a lot to me because he was well-established uh, and somewhat intimidating because of his very dry British humor. And uh, he, he befriended me. We, we became friends and we promoted each other's stuff and we just like each other. Warren Hewitt, produced like a pro, really good dude, um, who I remember that twinge of who is this guy came up in me because he kind of came out of nowhere. He was a big time producer, worked with you know Aerosmith and The Fray and all these people. And then he started to create content online uh, doing the same thing I was doing. And I remember a lot of my listeners, my subscribers, my customers saying, hey, I really like you know this guy Warren Hewitt stuff, produced like a pro, he's a lot like you. And I saw his YouTube uh, channel just skyrocket super fast. Like he was hitting milestones. It took me years to hit. He was doing them in a year. And that feeling of who is this guy crept up in me again. Again, again, I'm not perfect at this. And I started to feel like, man, competition, competition. But instead of going that route, I was able to suppress it and uh, and reach out to him. And we became fast friends. And he interviewed me. I've interviewed him. We've hung out together uh, in LA at the annual NAM show. Um, I've been able to try to help him with his email funnels. Uh, we talked about one-on-one coaching, but the guy's too busy to, to nail him down. But again, we're good friends. I know his family somewhat. We 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 have mutual values. Um, you know, when his dad died, um, we I'm talking to him about it, trying to catch up with him. We're not like best buddies that talk all the time, but we genuinely care about each other's brands and each other's lives. Way better to have him as a friend than an enemy. So friendships, right? That's a possibility. Now, the third scenario, there might be a fourth scenario, 
but I don't I don't think so. I think it would fit under a third scenario. The third scenario, and the only other scenario I can imagine is let's assume you reach out to a potential collaborator, you know, and they don't like you. They don't want to go into business with you. They don't want to be your friend. They're just doing their own thing. If that happens, it's probably because they don't share this ethos. They don't have this worldview. They view you as competition. They genuinely view the world as black or white, fixed pie. I'm going to get mine. You get yours. Stay out of my lane. Happy clap for you if you're doing well, but I'm going to reach my goals and I don't need anybody else. That's that's fine. That's a lot of people and you can't control how they view the world. You can be all like, I'm happy and I view the world with positivity like Graham told me to. And they can be like, shut up. I'm, you know, that, that you can't control people. That's fine. I get that. But if you do this right, if you genuinely compliment them, genuinely offer to serve them, going back to the heaping coals on your enemy uh, scripture, right? Even if they don't want to be your buddy and they don't want to do business with you, they can't help but know that you're genuine know that you're a good person that at least has tried to form a friendship and push comes to shove, if push comes to shove, they can only, unless they're just a psychopath, they can only speak well of you in your industry. Now, this is almost more important than the friendships and partnerships that you might get in scenario one or two. Because I think a majority of the people you reach out to will actually be in this third camp. If the 80-20 rule tells us that 20% of the people you reach out to will lead to 80% of your collaborations, your opportunities, the flip side of that is 80% of the people you reach out to are going to account for, you know, they're not going to really want to be your friend. You know, maybe maybe one out of that 80% will be your friend. The majority of them don't want to be your friend or your buddy, your best buddy, okay? They just don't want to. That's fine. But if that 80% knows that you're genuine, knows that you offer to serve them, that's the majority of the people in your space that you've reached out to. That creates a network of your reputation going ahead of you. And this is really more important. I was literally just reading in Proverbs, I think it was today or yesterday, and I forget, it's either chapter 21 or 22, um, but the whole concept in this line, I'm sorry, I didn't remember it. The concept was that your reputation, what people say about you and believe about you is more important than wealth or you know riches. It's like that honor that you get from other people has more value. And you only get honored by people if you genuinely are thought of as a certain way, which means you have to actually say the right things, which is called PR, but way more important than say the right things, do the right things over decades consistently, because you could say and do the right thing on your best day, but do you say and do the right thing and serve others, your competition, quote unquote, over years? That creates a reputation that goes before you. And I have an example. There was a guy, and I won't name names because it doesn't matter, who uh, is a talented, very talented producer. He had worked with some artists and gotten some some of the tracks he'd either produced or mixed either were on the Billboard Top 10 or iTunes Top 10, but he'd worked with some substantial artists uh, and super successful guy in the music industry. He's a music producer. I'm a music producer. On Facebook or some forum, and this happens from time to time, 
my name came up, my brand came up about like, what do you think about this recording revolution guy, this Graham Cochran guy? He has a lot of videos. He teaches a lot of stuff about music and recording, but he doesn't have any big credits, meaning he hasn't produced any artists that I've heard of. He doesn't didn't work with Taylor Swift. He didn't produce Kanye's art, you know, album. So, what, you know, what do you think about that? And so this big time producer came in and said, I think is a sham. This is years ago. I think it's a sham. If he hasn't worked with a big artist, why should you listen to him? I think he's just money grubbing. He's just trying to get his, you know, share of the pie. Again, this was his worldview speaking. He didn't know me. He was either jealous of my following or just frustrated that a guy like me was speaking with any authority on the subject because he viewed your clientele, your credits at what, as what gives you authority in the space, which is not true at all. It's I'm not in the, the music space to flaunt my credits or my discography. I'm in the music space to get people results. So it's my results. Can I actually get somebody results? That's how you should measure whether you should listen to me or not. If I'm getting you results, then I'm credible. If I'm not, then I'm just a guy talking. So he didn't share that view. This was years ago. Just recently, maybe six months ago, there was another conversation about me. And the only reason I know about these conversations is because my darn fans and students like email me or tag me. That's what they tag me on Facebook. Graham, did you see this? And I'm like, no, I don't want to see what people are saying about me negatively. I try very hard to avoid all negative comments because it does no good for my soul. YouTube has crushed my soul over a decade of being on YouTube. So I don't need to see any more of that. My assistant knows very clearly to delete all the mean emails and just leave the nice ones and put a little green uh, sticker or tag in Gmail that says, thank you. So I see the green, I go, ah, it's gonna be good because green means good. And I'll only read those. So I've crafted a world in which I don't see the negative comments, okay? Very strategic, by the way. It makes me a happier, more productive person. So I don't want my fans basically to drag me into these stupid uh, Twitter fights, Facebook arguments. But recently I saw one, six months ago, let's say, where someone else was starting to bash me again online. Who is this Graham? We shouldn't listen to him. He hasn't produced any big credits. This producer from probably five or six years ago, the guy that was originally bashing me, he jumped in the conversation and believe it or not, jumped in to defend me. And this blew me away. He responded to someone who's getting really hot, really angry against me. Say, hey man, I know what you mean. He hasn't produced anyone big that I know of. Doesn't have any big credits. But you know what? Everybody in the music industry that I've talked to who knows him only says good things about him. Everybody in the music industry that I've talked to that knows him and has hung out with him only has good things to say about Graham. That is reputation. That is me trying, and I'm not tooting my own horn, but that blew me away because that is me trying for 10 years to befriend everyone I can in my space, even if they do the same thing I do and do it better than me, trying to befriend them. So even if they don't like me, don't want to be my best bud, don't ever want to promote my stuff, and never to my face would say, you're cool, Graham, they know that I'm a legit, genuine person, and they would actually defend me on Facebook just because my reputation goes before them and goes before me. 
That is powerful. That is the power of viewing your competitors as collaborators or potential collaborators. Your industry, however big it is, is smaller than you think. And I know you're focused on your customers, and you should be, but you can be crushed and just dropped to shreds or destroyed to nothing in an instant if your whole industry turns on you. If other brands speak ill of you, even if your customers don't listen to that and like, nah, well, that's just, that's just marketing. That's just them trying to pit one brand against each other. It's not good for you, man. Now, you can't control what people say about you. I get that. But you can do a lot to build a lot of goodwill amongst your peers, amongst your quote-unquote competitors, where you can create an invisible network of people who have your back, who, even if they never want to support you in the affirmative, could never destroy you or say anything bad about you because they've got nothing on you and they genuinely know you're legit. That may not pay dividends this year, in this case, with this gentleman, it didn't pay dividends for another five years, but it's sowing and reaping. It is sowing seeds of friendship, connection, service, and genuineness uh, to the people that can build you up or tear you down in your industry that can only lead to better opportunities. It can only lead to potential friendships down the road. Even if it takes five years or 10 years to get there, you want to be known as a genuine person or a kind, serving, generous person in your brand, in your space. It can only help you. Make sense? So again, this is a concept. This is a worldview. So part of it is a choice. As we wrap up here, part of it is a choice to A, if you stop viewing everybody as competitors, you're just going to relax a lot more. And listen, you need to relax. You're stressed out. You're probably way more stressed out than you need to be. Look, life's too short to be stressed out. I'm working on this myself. I don't stress out over competitors as much. I stress out over like control. I, I, I like love to control outcomes. So I'm, I'm working on that because there's some things I just can't control. So worrying about that or stressing about that only will turn my hair gray and make me die at a younger age. Uh, I don't want to do that. So stress, for the most part, it's not helpful. And you and I are stressing out over more than we need to. So when you view everyone as a competitor, you're stressing more than you need to. So if you stop that, if you change the language that you use, stop even saying the word competitor and say collaborator, you might think that's stupid. You might think that's cheesy. I don't care what you think. I'm trying to help you. It's going to be good for you. Changing the words you use is good for you. So you change the word from a negative word to a positive word. Okay, yay, Graham. It will actually help. Over time, your brain will start to view them in a positive light, so you'll stress out less. So that's a concept. But I want you to take it beyond a concept and take it to a practice. The practice is making it your mission to befriend everyone who does what you do in your space. So here's the action step for you today and ongoing. The action step today is to make a list of every single potential collabor collaborator in both your niche, of course, and then also in complementary niches. Complementary niches are great because 
there's even less friction between you and them because they don't they won't view you as much of competition as someone directly in your niche. So a complementary niche would be, for example, if you are a fitness instructor, someone that teaches nutrition or veganism or whatever, they would be a complementary complementary niche because food and fitness go together. And maybe they're more of a food expert expert and you're more of the exercise expert. You might teach food and they might teach exercise, but complementary, right? Uh, for example, in my space, the business space, I'm teaching you how to start an online business. A complementary niche might be a productivity blog or a productivity YouTube channel, someone that teaches you how to be more productive. It's not necessarily business, but it's about managing your time. I teach that stuff to a certain extent, but what if there's someone who's a productivity expert? That's a complementary niche. For example, in the music space, I teach recording and mixing, but a lot of complementary niches are people who teach songwriting or how to promote your music as an artist. I've reached out to people who do exactly that and have actually made money. We've collaborated together. So complimentary niches are great, but I want you today to make a list of every single potential collaborator, both in your niche and in your complimentary niches, and there's quite a few. And then your action step moving forward is once a week. Look, I'm not making this hard. Once a week, email one person off that list. Email them with this one-two punch strategy. Punch one, compliment them. Genuine compliment, which means you might have to listen to their stuff. That's why I'm giving you one a week. Pick somebody, go listen to some of their podcasts, go watch some of their YouTube videos, go read some of their blog posts, follow them on Facebook for a while or Instagram, watch their Insta stories, get a feel for what they're actually doing. You know what they do, you know what they sell. Yeah, but get a feel. Actually be a fan and an audience member for a while, for a week and find something specific to compliment them on. You don't have to love everything they do, but I'm sure you can find something that you genuinely respect about them. So punch one in that email is genuine compliment. Punch two is an offer to serve them in some specific or future way, if you can't think of a specific way. And email that person. That's it, that's what you do once a week. And then you go down the list, you check them off, and you email one person on your list. If you made a list of 50 of these people, and let's say 30 of them were in your niche and 20 of them were outside of your niche or the reverse, 10 to 20 of them are in your niche and 30 to 40 of them are in complementary niches, great. You make 50, one a week, you've got a year's worth of collaborators to reach out to. 80, 20 will tell you that 10 of those will pan out to becoming a friend or a real collaborator and 40 of them won't, but you know, go after it. And then 80% of that, or excuse me, 20% of that 20%, so two out of the 10 will become like, best friends or high profitable collaborators, like the couple that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. So that's what I want you to do. You build it into your habit so that once a week you're connecting with somebody. And again, if email's not your thing, DM them. But just saying email's a little more traceable. And if you have a really good subject line, it can get their attention where they, you might get lost in a sea of DMs. But that's all I want you to do. Shift your mindset from competition to collaborators. Make a list, everybody in your niche and complimentary niches that you wanna reach out to, and then one a week. Genuine compliment, punch one. Offer to serve them, punch two. Watch what this does for your heart, your stress levels, your future bank account, but more importantly, your future network of friendships, collaborators, true collaborators, and reputation within your industry. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks for being a part of the show. If you're listening on iTunes, leave me a review. That would mean a lot. Let me know what you thought about it, what episode really stuck out to you, and what you want to hear about on a future episode. Uh, and if you have nothing good to say about me, then don't leave a review. <laughs> uh, and then also, if you're ready to start your business, or if you're ready to productize your service-based business, or you're ready to take your product business and make it more automated, I want to invite you to my passive income workshop. It's absolutely free. It's about 45, 50 minutes of some of my best content on how to take what you know, what you love, and what you're good at and turn it into an automated income stream. In your spare time, come watch it. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop and you can dive right in. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing here on the show and I'll see you on another episode real soon.